Greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Film Corps podcast. I'm Alex Kirschenbaum in Los Angeles, joined remotely by Armani Barone, hunkering down in New York. How you doing, Armani? Hey, hey. How's it going? You know, it is going. It is going is how it is going. And today we are talking about The Hunt, the uh, supposedly controversial uh, Betty Gilpin movie uh, supposed to come out last fall uh, from Blumhouse and Universal. So let's get right into it. Okay, so first we should talk about the, uh, the controversy surrounding the movie. Uh, it was scheduled for release last September, to be precise, but was shuttered by its studio, Universal, co-produced with Blumhouse, after three then-recent mass shootings in Texas, California, and Ohio that left uh, over 30 civilians dead. The last straw must have come following criticisms from President You-Know-Who, who criticized the movie on Twitter, saying in part, uh, the movie coming out is made in order to inflame and cause chaos. A day later, the movie's September 27th release was postponed indefinitely. Uh, so then it came out to muted fanfare on Friday, March 13th of this year, um, in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. So they didn't really have a knack for timing with this movie. Uh, all theaters in the U.S. were shuttered days later amid the film's uh, you know, supposed first run, and so it was released to video on demand on March 20th, which is about 83 days before the traditional 90-day window that separates theatrical and video releases. And that's where Armani and myself came to it. We watched it and vetted it for you, the loyal listener, to see whether or not it actually merited any of the controversy. Uh, what I will say is, what's, okay, number one, and this might say sound pretty, like, callous, but statistically, you can release a movie at any point and it's going to coincide with, like, a mass shooting in the U.S. at this rate. So... I'm well. I really appreciate that, that they were trying to be respectful. It doesn't really address the real issue here, and that I just and we can't just stop releasing films because of these kind of things. We should just address the thing. But um, overall, I'm pretty I'm pretty surprised about how much flack it got, especially coming from like 45, who's sort of the the face of like the right wing. And in all honesty, this movie was pretty much like soft right-wing propaganda in a weird way. And we can get more into kind of like its messaging, but I don't, I don't, it didn't come off anything more to me than just like some sort of like smarter American sniper, Gran Torino level <laughs> right-wing cheer film. Seriously, it was very much like... Um... Not necessarily pandering to the right, but certainly uh, giving them a real place at the table in the dialogue about, you know, gun control and uh, sort of the two sides of the spectrum politically. So, yeah, it was it was funny that, that Trump targeted that and, and made it um, the source of his ire and forced its cancellation, ultimately. Well, it's postponement, at least. It was definitely because of him, and he used the recent shootings... Uh, as sort of like this impetus behind his anger at the movie, supposedly. And it worked for a time um, to discredit the movie and to postpone it. But yeah, ultimately, it's somewhat pro-right-wing. Um, so yes, we can get into the plot, such as it is. It's pretty simple. Basically, uh, 11 working-class conservatives wake up in a field uh, with no recollection of how they got there, and they find themselves being hunted by unseen sadistic forces, 
they're supplied with some artillery, but um, they're expected to defend themselves against an unseen enemy with the high ground and with all kinds of high-tech resources. There's also a pig. Soon, our heroine Crystal Creasy, which is Betty Gilpin, um, has deciphered that her opposition is a group of ultra-rich uh, neoliberals um, with a grudge against her kind, so-called um, you know, blue-collar uh, conservative deplorables. And so it's sort of much along the same lines of uh, the 1930s classic, The Rules of the Game, uh, where the rich are hunting the poor for sport. Last year's Ready or Not, a better movie, explored a similar narrative dynamic, but in that case it was uh, a little more specific and magical in terms of how the ultra-rich sort of hunted a more working-class person, and it wasn't so much divided along political lines. Anyway, um, you know, it was solid. What did you think, Armani, of The Hunt? Well, I mean, I guess, I don't know, I don't, for lack of a better word, I was kind of confused by what sort of, like, message they were trying to deliver because I felt like it was so busy giving itself pats on the back for showing how liberals or social justice warriors themselves can be sort of fickle in their ideology and basically we too can be blinded by our own self-righteousness. Like, the whole reason that all these, these 11 people are chosen to be hunted is because they jumped on a conspiracy theory involving the hunt leader, Athena, played by Hilary Swank. Hilary Swank is like a big, high-powered CEO with some other rich people who are also extreme liberals. They joke about hunting down deplorables on at, at what she calls her manor. Well, in the text thread, they were just joking about it. But once their text leaks, then the conservative right jumps on jumps on this and says, hey, see, like liberals are deranged. They're hunting us. This whole thing's real. And ultimately, because the conspiracy gets so out of control, Hillary Swank and all the other rich people have to quit their jobs and sort of PR uh, cover-up, essentially. And because of this, they ultimately decided to make the hunt a real thing. So in a way, it's like saying that, I mean, it's kind of weird because in a lot of ways, it validates these really crazy conservative conspiracy theories, ones that, for example, like Pizzagate, have been shown to be incredibly dangerous to spread this kind of like misinformation. It was a conspiracy that essentially Hillary Clinton was using a pizza restaurant to traffic children out of. In New Jersey. Yeah. And this man believed in this so much that he showed up to this pizza place with a gun, like in order to like rescue these children or I don't know, but that's just showing how dangerous this sort of like narrative is. And throughout this film, they constantly sort of reinforce these these conspiracies. So that's what's also super weird about it. Um, like one of the characters, for example, so Ethan Suppley um, is one of the conservative captives. And essentially, we've all discovered that all of the conservatives are, of course, uh, conspiracy theorists and really big into the right-wing media. And so him and Betty Giplin's character, Crystal, managed to hop on a train, which they hope is going to get them away from their pursuers, um, and they meet a group of refugees. Now, he, of course, believes that all refugees are, are basically crisis actors trying to get away from their countries and just want to get into the U.S. illegally. So while they're in this train, he's threatening to shoot all these people because not only are they on edge, but because he naturally doesn't believe immigrant stories. 
Well, when they finally get accosted by the Croatian military, they find out that all of the immigrants were actually real, except for one person who was, in fact, pretending. So yeah, he was a crisis actor, yeah. Yes. So, it, in a lot of ways, it doesn't tell, tell us that we shouldn't be biased against our own prejudices. It just reinforces that these prejudices are true. This is an example of, like, I don't know which way they're trying to go. Like, are they trying to be cute and say, like, see, sometimes the conservatives are, conservatives are right. But ultimately, I don't even think that we're smart enough at this point to even have these kinds of conversations. Yeah, but I think the movie, like, it became this source, it became this, like, lightning rod of controversy, but, like, ultimately it doesn't, it's not even thinking that hard about any of this stuff. I think that that was kind of its biggest problem. It's, like, it's more of a high-concept satirical action thriller than it is any kind of profound reflection on the uh, the chasm of, of the political divide in this country or anything like that. Um, and tr- Trump obviously hadn't seen it when he criticized it. Clearly not, and that's maybe that's what is possibly the most kind of frustrating thing about it is that, it says all these things, and I don't know, something about this movie just screams libertarianism to me. Yes, that's about it. The attitude of, like, you don't really want to comment on anything. You just want to take this weird, like, contrarian stance, but you're not taking any responsibility for like, what is actually being said here. Yeah, it's like a South Park episode or something. I think that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty spot on. <laughs> It's even, to me, it's even lower than a South Park episode. At least they ultimately have some sort of, like, when they attack, like, neoliberalism, they also do sort of both sides to show, like, how both sides can sort of be wrong. But this ultimately doesn't even go that far, and they don't take a stance either way. They don't even go full conservative. They just want it to be, like, this cute tongue-in-cheek, sort of, like, let's make everyone upset sort of motif without actually having a a real platform to stand on yeah and it's weird too because like they double down on the ambiguity with the ending because it turns out that betty gilpin is one of i guess two crystal creases in her hometown and so she's targeted incorrectly by uh hillary swank and her group of uh evil rich neoliberals um and turns out we don't really know what crystal creases exact political leanings are um and she never really explains it. She, we just find out that she's the wrong Crystal Creasy. Um, and she has this, like, intense military background, which is why she's able to survive and thrive against uh, her attackers. But, uh, but we don't really know what her politics are. It seems like she leans right, but we, we don't know. So it's like sort of having their cake and eating it, too, for the producers, which is fine. I mean, it's fine they don't take a political stance. It's ultimately... I think I agree with you that the country like kind of wasn't ready to like watch a movie that was so removed from the politics of what it's about. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's 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 not like a horrible choice. It's it's weird. Exactly. I mean, yeah, that's exactly to that point too. Like to show you that we're not we weren't ready for it. The fact that forty five even like said it's a horrible movie, he didn't even watch it, it would have behooved him to actually support it, but no one could get that because of the weird ambiguity of, like, everything in this movie. Yeah. And, I mean, honestly, I don't, I mean, th- there were some great moments in this for sure. Like, I wouldn't say, like, it's com- a complete waste. I think for anyone searching for anything, you know, a little bit deeper meaning is going to be frustrated. But, I mean, Betty Gilpin, I think, does a, gives an amazing performance as Crystal Greasy. Um, I really enjoyed watching her and Hillary Swank's uh, final face-off. 
Yeah, that was really well done. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it really reminded me of sort of that uh, Vivica Fox. Uma Thurman battle in uh, the beginning of Kill Bill? Yeah, Kill Bill, volume one. Yes. Uh, I love when there's, you know, sort of a Jackie Chan level, like, you know, any prop you can get your hands on is a weapon approach. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's one of the most well-choreographed fight scenes I've seen lately. It was really well done. The one thing I will say is that, I mean, this is not the fault. This movie doesn't isn't the only one that does this, but, like, so many movies do this thing where when you get thrown through a pane of glass, you get up, you shake it off, and you're fine. That's not how that works. But anyway, that's a, that's a minor quote with action movies that I have. Because, like, generally, like, you know, if you, if you go through glass, like, that's going to fuck you up. And then Hilary Swank does it twice. And then the third time, Betty Gilpin's about to throw her through the glass, and uh, Hilary Swank says, no more glass, and they run through the door instead, which was pretty funny mm-hmm. and self-aware. But also, like, again, they'd be really messed up from the glass instead of... Um, having incurred a couple of scratches. But anyway, that doesn't, you know, that's, uh, you have to sort of suspend your disbelief for uh, an action movie set piece. So, fine. It's totally fine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's also, like, a lot of, like, I mean, funny moments in that fight and without, within, within the entire movie itself. You know, there's a lot of, like, dark comedy, which I really enjoyed. Um, I loved what I kind of donned, the familiar face fakeouts. Um, this is a pretty big ensemble cast. And they had people like Emma Roberts and Ike Barinholtz, um, who were both in at the beginning. And you think they might sort of make it kind of far because, you know, you recognize the faces. But a lot of them don't have the sort of endings that you would expect, which I really enjoyed. It was sort of definitely like an any person could die at any second sort of situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spoilers. But yeah. Well, they were seen if they're here, right? Should I would we, hope so. We, yeah, we're, we're kind of spoiling <laughs> it. I mean... You know. Well, I said I said endings you didn't expect. I didn't say how or when. No, true, true, fair. I think I know. I think it's fine to spoil it. You know, um, any good Roger Ebert review always spoils the movie. <laughs> you just have to kind of read them afterwards. <laughs> I found. Yeah. Um, ultimately, I mean, I would recommend it, just like with that grain of salt, for sure. Um, it was really entertaining, well shot. I mean, I. Would have loved to see it actually land on some sort of real, like, ideological premise or just, like, some lesson about, like, how we should all, I don't know. I mean, maybe, like you said, I want too much from this. Yeah, it's complicated because I think, I don't know, I think you're right because it doesn't, it introduces a lot of ideas and then it doesn't really bring them home in much of a... Uh, with, with much of a, a real direction in terms of having a point for the, the political stuff, but it's it's all there. So you feel like, oh, well, what are you trying to say, really? So I get it. I, I think, yeah, uh, I, I agree. It, it kind of left you wanting more with that mm-hmm. element. But it was well done and fun, for sure. So I liked it fine. It was, you know, like a solid three star out of four including half stars kind of movie good and worth watching and watching a couple of times. Maybe, you know, I could see myself you're watching this at some point because it just all the action stuff was really well done. The one thing I will say about the action stuff besides the glass breaking, which again happens in like 95% of action movies. So that's not really a big deal. I just want to point it out. Uh, was like digital blood, uh, digital squibs, you can call it, um, which mm-hmm. is like the name for like fake exploding blood in movies. Uh, a lot of times like, I don't know, recently I found myself watching 80s or 90s action movies and they use practical squib effects, so it's like real 
fake blood, you know, carol syrup and all the other stuff that goes into it. And it looks so much more real than this digital stuff when they shoot someone in the head in this movie and there's just like, you know, pixels of blood behind them. It just looks so fake to me. I don't know. It really bothers me. Yeah, that's that's one thing I, I in a lot of action movies I don't understand when they cut corners on this stuff it just makes more work in post for like no reason and doesn't look as good. Like it takes yeah. literally like five five minutes for art to squirt the blood and we're done versus let's spend hours you know rotoscoping this out for when we could have just done it on set. Is it just because it's kind of messy? Like what is it? I don't I don't know exa- I understand why we made the shift. I don't know. I mean, this is like to me, fake blood is is a you know, prop used tails all this time situation. So I don't know. Like I've I've done a lot of I've done fake blood in the past, and yes, it is messy, but it just looks good. I just yeah, it looks great, and I don't see the point of like going the digital route when it's definitely not needed. But I mean, maybe there are other unforeseen places. Like maybe you do have the ability to tone down the blood if you need to for for rating, but they're already at an R, so I don't know what they would need to have like cleaned it up for. Yeah, I remember the first time I really noticed it was in The Departed, which is an otherwise very good movie, but The Departed was, like, just filthy with fake digital blood, and you could totally tell. I'm sure it looks even worse now. Yeah, I mean, it's, and it was, that's what's pretty disappointing about this, too, is that a movie that is really, its bread and butter is in the gore factor, would want to go the digital route. Like, it seems like it would behoove them to stay, you know, as practical as possible. If you're saying, like, you're a gore film, you need to be gory, and as true to that as possible. Yeah, like you watch like, you know, Sudden Death with Jean-Claude Van Damme or March for Death with Steven Seagal, and they're both like very violent. And, uh, and you could feel anytime someone's arm breaks or someone gets shot in the arm or head. Like, I don't know, there's more of a visceral quality to the, that violence. Yeah. But whatever, that's the nature of the beast. But ultimately, this movie was pretty good and, um, you know, had plenty of interesting ideas even if it didn't always land them, I'm, I'm glad it explored them and introduced them. Yeah. And I'm glad it came out. I'm glad that uh, it finally did get a release, and it's sad that it was truncated by uh, forces outside of its control. But, you know, it is what it is. Oh, I will say also, I thought Betty Gilpin was really great. Um, and with this crystal character, she plays sort of another self-reliant badass, somewhat in the vein of her um, self-possessed Liberty Bell character on the Netflix hit Glow, which is, uh, I think, embarking on its fourth season. But the only three have come out so far. But, uh, but yeah, she's great in that show, and she's great in this. And I hope that the fact that this didn't really do much at the box office and got sort of mixed critical uh, results, like, doesn't impede her, her rise to the, the top of, you know, the action movie heap. It'd be cool to see her in, you know, action movies and dramas, and she's got range, and she's really good. On that note, what I will say is somehow this, this being canceled and pushed back, the release being canceled was sort of a blessing in disguise because I'm honestly grateful we didn't have to deal with all these clickbait articles about this movie. Like, I feel like I didn't really care that much about The Hunt before this, and I'm pretty grateful because I didn't need 50, like, liberal sites saying why The Hunt is so terrible. I didn't need 50,000 conservative sites talking about how much they love The Hunt or hated The Hunt still. I just, I'm glad this movie sort of got to exist in its own vacuum and we could talk about it now, but not in a way... Or I feel like it's just like shoved down our throats. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's a really good point too because it's true. It's like after all this time away from it with everything else going on in the world, it doesn't really have the kind of yeah clickbait impact that it would have maybe before. So it's just you can watch it as a movie and sort of 
I mean, obviously, we're coming to it with, like, you know, you can see the political stuff in it, but you don't have to... It doesn't overwhelm the movie or overwhelm your preemptive yeah. response to the movie. You can just watch it as a movie and think about that stuff, but not let it yeah. be the experience, you know? You can watch it as a movie. Yes, I kind of... I like that I got to go into it without any sort of preconceived notion of how I should feel about it, which was nice. Yeah. And hopefully you guys don't... <laughs> don't either. Um, also, my rating out of four stars, I'd say I'm also at a three. Yeah. Nice. We are agreed. So that's it on The Hunt, a very uh, interesting movie that's certainly worth your time. It's good, not great, but worth checking out. Uh, we've all got time to check it out, so we would recommend you do that. Um, thanks so much, Armani, for taking the time to chat with, with me about this, and uh, yeah, we'll talk to, to everybody soon. Catch you guys next time. Film <laughs> Corps.